I just want to get like a brief summary of who you are. Sure. Uh, well, uh, you know, I'm a CPA, MBA, U.S. tax court practitioner. After leaving high school, I joined the United States Marine Corps, spent four years, including two years overseas, and a tour in Vietnam. Uh, came back, I was stationed in Kansas City, met my wife, married her with five children. Uh, it worked. Don't ask me how, but it worked. Uh, you know, I, I claim insanity. Uh, went to school, got my degrees, uh, went to work for major corporations, uh, realized when I was in my early 40s that I was never going to run a major corporation. I didn't have the political skills. You know, you got to be able to stab them in the back and toss them off the ladder to, to get to the top. And I, I can't do that. So I started my own company so I'd have a company to run. I grew up in a family business. Uh, I started the business with my wife. I thought that was normal. Uh, it's not, but <laughs> it worked for us. We were married for 45 years until she passed here six years ago. So that's that's the short synopsis. Right, right. So can we kind of begin on what motivated you to just get into a lifestyle of finances and accounting and money? Well, you know, that's a good question because I, I, I had gone to school, uh, figured on, on business, and started taking some accounting courses and liked them. And so I started taking some more. And uh, I had a choice at the, at, toward the end of my uh, undergraduate to make a decision whether to go into law or heavily more into business. And finances were such that business and an MBA became the more viable option. So I went and got my master's in business, which really was a master's in taxation, but it was labeled as an MBA, which is what I wanted. I like tax. I like working with that. You know, a CPA is a professional nitpicker, okay? Numbers, 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 not too many people. Uh, and that was a lot of fun for me. Uh, as I've gotten older, I like people less, but, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting old. So uh, it was just that I liked that in college, and uh, I was able to get, you know, 50-some-odd hours of college counting and tax. Uh, I'd grown up, uh, you know, around finances and and uh, insurance, and I was a uh, um, stock analyst when I was, you know, 14 and this kind of thing. So numbers were always fun, and uh, it was just – it just grew into it. it was, I, I found my niche. You know, if you find – Find something you like to do, and you never have to work a day in your life. So, you know, I like what I do. I, I like the accounting. I love the payroll. Uh, to me, more uh, exciting than accounting because I'm fighting with the IRS for my clients all the time. <laughs> so you were kind of talking a lot about engaging with people a lot more than money as you used to. Can you explain more about that sort of transition you had? Because you went from stocks to money, to more people focus, you know, that's a lot of different things. Well, as, as, I, as I grew up, uh, I realized uh, how important people really are. Uh, my marriage was, was a good marriage. Uh, my wife taught me a lot. She was far more of a people person in the beginning than I was. Uh, everybody loved my wife. Even people she didn't like thought of her as their best friend. Uh, which I found terribly amusing. Uh, but being around her for, for 45 years and with her influence, I learned to better understand people, get along with them better. You know, uh, in the military, everybody, you either jump for them or they jump for you. I mean, uh, the, the, the hierarchy is, is absolute. 
uh, it comes down to the 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 hour of the day that you got your your promotion. If you got yours an hour before the other guy, you're his superior, uh, which is <laughs> insane on <laughs> by itself. So, uh, with with her guidance, uh, I learned a lot. I learned better how to deal with people, how to supervise them, how to work with them. You know, in a business, really, your people are, are your asset. Even as a, a CPA, I've got I've got a dozen people that work for me running in my payroll company. I couldn't do the work without them. Yeah. I absolutely would be out of business. So I care about them. I worry about them. Uh, you know, uh, it's it, they become almost like family. And my clients, you know, I've got clients that have been with me for thirty years. You know, after thirty years doing business with somebody and being there in pocketbook several times a month, you better be friends with them. Okay, or they're going to go someplace else. So, we, you know, people are great, and and well, a lot of people are. There's some, and I've learned that too. Um, people who vex me, vexatious people, I stay away from. I don't deal with them. Uh, we've had over the years a few clients. We've had, uh, you know, and you know the old saw: clients always right. Well, up until the point you fire them, there's some clients that want more service and more hand-holding and more of your time than they're willing to pay for. And so you have to make a choice. Am I going to, you know, go broke handling these people or am I going to move them on? So, you know, I've had, you know, half a dozen over the years, I've had to move on because they just were vexatious. It's it's life. Hopefully they found somebody that they could deal with. And, you know, speaking of clients, because you mentioned clients before, what type of service do you think you provide for clients that's different compared to other, you know, accounting and finance-based businesses? Well, in the payroll business, uh, our competitors are either very big or very small. Uh, there's not too many in the middle, and we're kind of in the middle. Uh, but as a CPA, I take a 2848. It's an IRS form that's a power of attorney. It's a limited power of attorney. And it allows me as a CPA to represent my clients and advocate for them to the Internal Revenue Service and to the states. Very, very few of my clients do that. And because of that, our real difference is compliance. We're compliance experts. I deal with the IRS. I was on the IRS Advisory Council for three years, meeting with all the the, the commissioner and the commissioners of the various business entities and solving problems for them, not by myself. There were, you know, 15, 20 of us, but we worked on IRS problems and that allowed me to meet people. I, you know, I know the, the chief of appeals. I know the head of OPR. I, I know all the commissioners for the various business entities. I can call them if I need to. Uh, that allows me to do things for my clients. We had one. Uh, problem, uh, a penalty situation was $95,000. It was bogus, but it took us nine years to get it uh, abated. But finally, uh, in, in desperation, I called Chief of Appeals because I couldn't get the right person to call me. And she said, uh, I'll have him call you. And he called me that afternoon. And months later, they sent my client a $400 refund instead of a $95,000 bill. <laughs> he was happy. <laughs> So the compliance thing that we can apply, if, <clears throat> if you call one of our major competitors and say, I need to talk to a CPA about a, a tax situation, they don't have CPAs available. They'll tell you to call your own CPA. 
Well, if your own CPA was a, a payroll expert, he'd be doing your payroll for you. He's not. So you're going to pay him to come in and learn what's going on and hopefully learn enough to solve the problem. We do it every day. And it's part of our fee. So you don't pay more, but you get the compliance on top. It's like buying insurance. You got car insurance. People buy insurance for the house, insurance for their life. Yeah. We're paying we're insurance. It, when it goes wrong, we can fix it. It's a lot of good stuff there. You know, and another thing is, why is it that, you know, what do you think is the main thing most people get wrong about what you do? Well, we seem unnecessary at times uh, to some people. We seem underpriced to other people. Yeah, people say, well, I can do my own payroll. And, you know, if they work at it, they can. But when they look at what we charge them compared to the time they spend and analyze that and say, can I spend this time on my business, getting new clients, improving what I'm doing and so on, we become free. And then the average, this is something people don't see, the average small business gets penalized. I'm sorry, 40% of all small businesses get penalized by the IRS every year to the tune of about $800 which is about what we charge for a year. So, you know, and many times we're free. We'll fix that penalty and you won't have to pay it because if you don't know how to fix that penalty, the, the example, when you're dealing with the IRS, the example I use, when I grew up, Pele was the premier soccer player in the world, a Brazilian. I, I don't know who it is today. But if you t- Pele's a superb athlete. But if you put him in a New York Yankees uniform at second base, He's lost. He's still a great athlete, but he doesn't know the equipment, the field, the rules, nothing. Right. You take a businessman who is very successful at what he does, and you say, go deal with the IRS. He's like Pele at Yankee Stadium on second base. He's lost. We do it every day. Mm-hmm. Can't run my client's business. I can't run the dog grooming salon. I can't run the generator company. The, the the garage floor conditioning company. I can't run the construction company. On and on and on. I don't know these things, but I know accounting, tax, and payroll, and I do that every day. So when you say, well, you know, I can do it, yeah, well, you know, I can probably do your company too. Give me 20 years of experience and the right education. Yeah, I, I can do what you do. So why do you insult me and tell me that, you know, you can do what I do uh, just off the cuff? Uh, because there's a lot more to it. Uh, the law is very complex, and there's 50 states. There's actually about 15,000 taxing authorities in the U.S. that tax payroll one way or another, and we deal with most of them. <laughs> and other thing that I'm curious about is, are your issues more, um, do you handle more individual-based issues or more business-related situations? In, in payroll, it's almost all business okay. because sole proprietors don't take payroll. That they, 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 They're not allowed to. Yeah. It's tax law. They take draws instead. So on the payroll side, they have to be incorporated even if they're just them. Uh, and we have some. They're, they're a lawyer or a doctor or, you know, an entrepreneur that it's just them, and they pay their payroll because they're incorporated. So we do that, but uh, our average client's about 17 employees, uh, and most of our clients are, the vast majority of our clients are under 50. We have some that run into the multiple hundreds of client employees, and, you know, we're glad to have them. But 
at some point, somewhere around 500 employees, it becomes cost-effective to take it in-house and hire a professional to do it because as you add employees, there's always lots of little problems. So as you build an HR system, an HR uh, department, then you add a payroll department either under HR or under accounting, and and you do it in-house, and you buy the software. For the small business with 15, 20, 30 people, you know, we spend tens of thousands of dollars a year on software. Uh, It's just not cost-effective for a small business to do that. We're able to provide software as a service and provide state-of-the-art software and expertise. Uh, You know, uh, we're, 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 we're experts. You know, that's my newest book, The Payroll Book. We wrote the book on payroll, guys. <laughs> so, you know, if, if you've got payroll's what we do, you know, day in and day out. <laughs> now, you wrote that book, right? Who is that book now for? Yes, sir. The, uh, the book I wrote, uh, it came out, it widely published it. It came out last year uh, in August. It's $29.95. From, it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you know, from fine bookstores everywhere. Uh, and what it is is it's 30 years of payroll experience distilled down to 90,000 words. Uh, it's a reference guide. It's it's not something you sit down and read fun, right. but when you have a payroll question, it answers most of them. Yeah. And my phone number's in there, so if there's one that doesn't answer, give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> and it must have been a very crazy transition. You went from investing to general accounting to, you know, working with the IRS and your own business, did you ever have to change your mind frame any time? Or, or did you just naturally fall into each of these? Oh, absolutely. Now, everything, everything changes and technology changes. But what I found for me is that everything I learn, whether it be, you know, I've been a stockbroker, I've been a lot of things, uh, you know, in my 60s, I became a U.S. tax court practitioner because the IRS was getting uh, harder to deal with. So I'm able to go to U.S. tax court, even though I'm not an attorney, and represent my clients. There's about 200 of us in the country that can do that. Uh, it's it's an odd federal thing. But I, I, I'm an, I actually have a U.S. tax court bar card. So, you know, I'm a counselor at the at the tax court. All these things make me better able to represent my clients and solve problems and understand things. Knowledge is, knowledge is never wasted. No knowledge is ever wasted. So everything I read, everything I study, everything I learn makes me better able to run my business, handle my clients, work with my clients, solve their problems, deal with the IRS, deal with the states, all, everything. And it may not be this week, this month, this year, but I've used things that I learned 50 years ago uh, in, in today's today's dealings. Well, some things I've I learned are obsolete, but you know, I've learned what's obsolete. So that's that's an important thing to know too. Now I kind of went into how your clients wanted you, but who is the specific? Who who are um? What's the biggest crowd of people that actually come to you and ask you for help? Well, it has to be a business. You have to have right, employees. Right. Uh, or, or contractors. We, we handle contractors, too. Uh, we get a lot of people who just 
they get a notice from the IRS. They don't know what they did. They don't know what they did wrong. Uh, that we get a lot of that. We get clients from the major companies that have call centers and you can never talk to the same person twice. My clients know that the problem and they can't solve it by people. They can talk to me and you know, it's my company, so I'll fix it. Uh, so they come from, from a lot of places. We get a lot of referrals from our existing clients. Uh, we don't, we don't lose. Uh, so, uh, you know, we get good referrals. We have a sales and a marketing staff. The book has helped, um, you know, and, and we're trying to grow like a lot of businesses, you know, uh, you either grow or you die. So we're still trying to grow our business uh, and, and be successful. You know, I'm still not sure I want to, I'm still not sure I know what I want to be when I grow up, but, you know, I'll figure it out. You know, What's one thing that you would have told your younger self to do to get to where you are right now? Oh, there's a couple of things. First of all, if I'd known I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of myself. <laughs> but uh, I would have saved more. I mean, just $10 a week, and I, hell, I'd be rich today. Uh, really rich. Uh, and I wish, coming out of high school, that I better understood people. Uh, and that's been the key is, is learning, uh, about people and learning to understand people. You know, uh, people are so, everybody's unique. Uh, George Washington Crane, who was a, a, an author and a doctor and a, a lot of things, used to write a column. And in his column, he said, to get along with people, just imagine the tattooed across their chest, it says, I am important because they think they are. And, they are important to somebody, to themselves, and nobody else. And if you treat them that way, they'll respond much better than if you treat them like they're, they're not important, they're not good, they're not valuable, because everybody is at least somebody. And so treat them that way, and it makes life easier for them. You know, uh, be nice to them. Practice the golden rule. Uh, all these things, they work. They make your life easier. They make your life more profitable. Uh, they they make for better sleep, okay? You're not worried about things at night. So I wish I'd known that better. My 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 father, uh, I couldn't work for him. Um, you know, we didn't get along well. Uh, he could schmooze people, but he never passed it on. And I learned it the hard way. So, <laughs> you know, I go back and look at his example. I can do what he did now, but he never taught me how growing up. And... Uh, that was my fault for not learning. So life goes on. Perfect. And when you're running your business, did you ever think to yourself, am I doing the right thing? You know, did you ever have any doubts, any questions? Not and about to running to that, business, not about being. Right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And to add to that, what about your transition? Because I know a lot of successful entrepreneurs that have this transition from being a high acclimated college student to then running your own business or job to their own business. And that is a ridiculous transition. You know, how do you go from that expert headspace to now an owner and expert headspace? Okay. I've never had any problem with running the business. I've always enjoyed business. I've always, you know, once I got into it, I've always known I wanted to be my own boss. Coming out of college, I went to work for major corporations. My first job out of college was Texas Instruments. And I was just a, a minor cog in, in a huge organization. 
Um, and, and that wasn't fun. And I worked my way up and, and became, you know, assistant controller and controller in various operations, CFO and so on. But I was still working for somebody else. And I'd grown up, as I said, in a family business. Uh, my father and mother worked together, and it was their own business. It was from the, the moment I remember that they had a business. Uh, and so I grew up with that. And I wanted the – yeah, it's lonely at the top, but I wanted to make those decisions. I wanted to be that person in charge. I I like that. Uh, and so I, I started my own, and I, I ran with it. It's been 30 years now. I've had a great time. I enjoy coming to work every day. Have I made mistakes? Absolutely. Have I screwed things up? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, if I was perfect, I would not only be rich, but I'd be a movie star too. I mean, you know, but <laughs> I'm neither. So, uh, yeah, it's those changes, those transitions. Uh, one of the, you know, I've had several major ones. Getting married is a major transition, particularly to a woman with five kids. That 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 was a life changing experience. Uh, military going from civilian life to military, then going from military back to civilian life, because after four years in the Marine Corps, and all of a sudden you don't have superiors telling you what to do, and and you know every moment you you of your life is accounted for. All of a sudden you're on your own again. <clears throat> so the, there's that and then transition to college, college to work, uh, work to entrepreneurship. Uh, I love being an entrepreneur. Uh, now, for the first 20 years, I didn't take a vacation, but you know, that that's part of being an entrepreneur. No work-life balance, yeah. just work. <laughs> well, you know, you have to love what you do as well, you know, and who kind of, who are some people in life that kind of helped you grow that love that you had? Not just, you know, how you saw it, but, you know, people that showed you it. Well, obviously, you know, I, I, I grew up uh, in, in an environment where my parents worked and worked very hard and very long hours. So that was never a surprise. The Marine Corps taught me mission. Uh, complete the mission. You've got to complete the mission. Uh, and then people like Tom Peters, a famous author, uh, in search of excellence and so on. Uh, I really liked his his thought process, uh, you know, uh, more so than even uh, uh, Deming, uh, because Peters was very much more of a, of a people person as opposed to a systems person. Uh, and so I found that to be useful and uplifting. And so I've read all of Tom's books uh, and attended a number of lectures and so on over the years. <clears throat> I find that uh, his his philosophy about business to be extremely useful to me. So he's my uh, major source of, of business thought. Then I've read hundreds and hundreds of business books over the years, and hopefully I can get a nugget out of them when I read them. You know, in the beginning, I got lots of nuggets. Well, you know, a lot of them get repeated and repeated and repeated. So if I can find a new nugget, and I still read business books. Uh, you know, uh, no knowledge is ever wasted, as I've said. So, And what are some things that really taught you a lot about accounting to begin with, like, but more on a philo philosophical perspective? Like, what were some real breaking points during your journey of knowledge? 
I will tell you the moment I really decided to become an accountant. It was a spring morning, and I'm on the third floor of the University of North Texas business building, and I am between classes. And the term depreciation probably doesn't mean much to you, but it's how you allocate asset value and life against the revenue generation. And I was troubled with the concept and rolling it over in my mind. And that spring morning, it all fell into place. And I, in my gut, I now understood what it was doing and how it worked. Intellectually, I could do it on paper, but it didn't make any sense until that moment. And at that moment, it sunk in. And it's at that moment that that I really became an accountant. Uh, You know, there's been lots of other moments of learning. uh, And for those of you in accounting, uh, in school, you don't really learn it in school. You learn it on your first job. (laughs) You learn learn all all the, the textbook but you really weren't accounting in your first accounting job. I promise you. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of learning accounting, what do you think makes you just different compared to an accountant next door? I mean, you can't really find too many accountants like you next door, but you kind of get what I'm saying. though. Well, you know, in, in, in any industry, there's good practitioners and there's poor ones. There's good doctors and bad ones. There's good lawyers and bad lawyers. There's good accountants and bad accountants. An accountant that doesn't love what they're doing is not somebody you want to deal with, okay? I like accounting. I like tax. I like payroll. Uh, I'm a very analytical person. I'm a problem solver by nature, okay? It's one of the things I had to learn over time, is I can't solve everybody's problems and don't try anymore. Uh, I, I pick and choose. But those are the people that make good accountants. My partner, who who I sold the accounting practice to, uh, is even worse than I am. Uh, but we're good ones, good accountants are very political. They tend not to be people persons, okay? And that makes me a little unusual as an accountant because I'm have become, over the years, kind of a people person. Uh, Most good accountants, like actuaries, would prefer to work in an office by themselves and the the work to come in one slot and go out another and have a private door to the parking lot. You know, they don't like people. So that's why accountants are hard to deal with. The biggest complaint that clients have about accountants, and I've heard this over and over over the years, is they don't return phone calls, which is insane. You got a client that has a problem, that's an opportunity to to bill them. Man, you ought to be calling them because that's how you make money. So, but that's the biggest complaint about accountants is they don't return phone calls. And I I no longer understand that. So, (laughs) so. I think another thing that hit me, though, is that you said you were a problem solver. But to me, it sounded a little bit like an obsession in a sense, too, because did that problem solving need ever cause you to go overboard in your, you know, older times? Or cost me to marry a woman with five children. I think that's overboard. I was solving her problems. Yes, it, 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 is, it can really be a time consumer. 
it can be a money consumer. Uh, uh, it, it, it can ruin your life. You, you can't solve them all. And if you try, it's going to destroy you. And there's some problems that just aren't solvable. Okay? I can't create world peace. I'm not going to start. Okay? Uh, I can't change the, the world. I do my little bit. Uh, you know, I try to be a good person and, and, and run a nice business and take care of my employees, take care of my family, uh, be a good citizen, vote, uh, you know, don't, th- don't litter, uh, pay my taxes, all these things. But when you're in business and you have lots of clients, there's all kinds of problems that come in the door. And you've got to learn to pick and choose. If you don't, you're going to be constantly solving people's problems that aren't able to pay you, that consume your time, that ruin your life, that drive you crazy. And you can't do it all. You just can't do it. And if you try, you're going to go crazy. And when I was younger, I tried to solve problems all the time. And I've learned that you can't do it. And you just have to pick and choose. And sometimes that's very heart-rendering. There's problems I would have liked to solve, but I don't have the money or the time. I, I try to give people, if I can, some some direction where they can go. Maybe they can call this, they can call that, you know, uh, and, and maybe they can get their problem solved that way. But most of them come down to, you got to suck it up and make it work. And I can't force people to do that either. And, you know, we always talk about, you know, your people skills. And I kind of can pick this up too. You have a strong understanding of how a lot of people work. And I'm just thinking, was it ever difficult to kind of balance between these skills and your accounting skills at times? Like sometimes you would have to think, okay, this really isn't working in terms of my skills, but this is a good person. You know, did you ever? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've had to, not everybody's a fit for me. Uh, and, and I know that. And, uh, you know, uh, we we lose clients from time to time. Uh, when I brought in my partner, we lost several clients who could work with me but couldn't work with him. And that that's part of it. And then, you know, I have people, I hire and fire people, my employees. They don't all work out. I try very hard to hire the right people, but it doesn't always work. Uh, for whatever reason, I make a mistake in hiring, basically, is what it comes down to. Uh, I didn't understand them well enough to know that they would not be a fit. Or their life changes. And, you know, uh, they no longer were who they are, and it doesn't fit. And I hate that. I, I absolutely abhor firing people. Okay? The only thing I can say is I never fired anybody that didn't know it was coming because I counsel them. I talk to them need from them, and what they need to do. And when they don't do it repeatedly, then I'll let them go. But it's never a surprise. And that's, that's part of people's skills. Uh, you know, uh, hiring people is very difficult. Firing them is, if firing people is, it's, it's technically easy. You're fired. Uh, but emotionally, it, it takes a toll on me and it takes a toll on them. I don't fire people. I learned years. I know I've been, I've been fired a few times. 
Uh, and I hate that. Uh, I don't fire people on Friday afternoon. I fire them on, on Monday morning. Uh, so they can immediately go down and file for unemployment. They can get, it used to be they could get the Sunday paper and, and start perusing the employment uh, ads and so on. They didn't have to go home and think about being fired all weekend before they could do anything. That's just miserable. So that's one of the few things I do. I haven't had to fire anybody in years, thank heavens. <laughs> and, you know, we all made it, we, we all made it through about, COVID just fine. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, we're bringing up a lot of these topics about the struggles within a business. And what were your struggles specifically, but with the business now? So what were some obstacles you had to get through before you got into, you know, your book and your client network? Like your network probably wasn't sure. like that at the start. You had to no, gather those not. people together. Well, it's marketing. It, it was my biggest thing is learning to market sure. and to sell myself uh, and my skill set. Uh, I'm not a good marketer. I'm not a good, you know, I believe in what I do. And on a one-to-one, you sit down with me and, you know, I'm very, uh, you know, confident in what I do and how I do it and what we do and the fact that, you know, we're we're worth what we charge. Uh, but to go out and try to sell that to, you know, hundreds of people over and over and over again, just I can't do it. I have a real hard time with that. I get, uh, you know, to be a good salesman, you have to wash off that rejection every morning. Okay, you have to be able to start start fresh with no rejection. Mine builds up, uh, and I've I've known that for for many many years. So uh, my sales capabilities are, are are slender, and that's one of my downfalls. So getting the business grown uh, and getting enough people in where it was sustainable and would continue to grow through referrals and so on. And now I have a marketing staff that, you know, that's the, the book is marketing, uh, though it's very informative. Um, we, had, we do podcasts, we do blogs, we do articles, uh, uh, we write press releases, we do all kinds of things because we offer a, a, a wonderful service, in my opinion, uh, at a great price. Um, you know, we're not unique, but we're pretty close to it as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, uh, we do we do great payroll work uh, and compliance uh, and, and expertise, which is uh, hard to find. So, you know, it's all included in, in the package. So, guys, you know, we take care of our clients. We love to. So marketing was my, my biggest thing. Money always is tight in the beginning. Time. I mean, you know, in the beginning I was doing accounting and payroll and Working 80 hours a week or more, uh, you know, as I said, there's no work-life balance for an entrepreneur. It's work. And hopefully you, you know, you're married to somebody that, that understands that. My wife worked with me for many years. Um, you know, after about 15, she retired and uh, went and built and, you know, did other things. But for the first 15 years, it was her and me. People over time. Uh, hiring that first non-accountant secretary was tough because she wouldn't bring any money in but that person allowed me to spend more money on uh, productive labor which produced revenue so once I understood that you know I could, I could make it work and it's it's uh, it's been a very fun 30 years you know and you talked a lot about growing a business now this is going to be a little bit more business plan related but how do you scale your business? Do you just hire more 
people to pick up the phone or is it more technical on your end where they're doing things like you? Both. Uh, technology has changed. We actually do more with less people now because of computers and email and so on. I, you know, I remember when fax machines came out, uh, and they're now almost obsolete. <clears throat> we used them. I was dealing with an overseas importer, and we would uh, do up our footwear designs, email, uh, fax them that night, and in the morning there'd be revisions coming back from Taiwan. That was great. Uh, that was so much better than waiting four or five days each way for, you know, DHL. <clears throat> so technology has changed. Computers, uh, systems, uh, software. It's gotten better and faster and more efficient. Uh, and so that helps. Uh, and then we hire people to work with clients and, and solve their problems because a lot of it's hand-holding. Oh, what do I do? How do I do this? Oh, this went wrong. Sally wants this. Joe wants that. What do I do? You know, the, the check got lost. Uh, you know, I got a letter from the IRS. You know, all these kinds of things. So we take care of that. And we hire people for that. Uh, so it, both aspects. Uh, technology has made us more efficient. Uh, you know, everything has makes us more efficient. Um, we just put in a new VoIP phone system, which is a sweetheart. Uh, so all those wow. things help. But... You know, uh, it basically comes down to people still have to operate the software. They have to turn on the computer. They have to make sure the stuff goes in. They have to make sure it goes out. They have to reconcile the bank account. You know, we we move several hundred million dollars a year money um, for our clients uh, for payrolls. Um, and that's a lot of accounting <laughs> and a lot of reconciliation. So, yeah, you got to have people for that. But, you know, systems are a lot better now than they were 30 years ago, I promise you. So it's a lot easier. And what what necessarily made it easier? Was it because of more revenue coming into the business and you're able to, you know, pay off more and expand more? Kind of elaborate on that, please. Well, obviously. I'm interested to know. Sure. Ca cash is always king. If you don't have cash flow, you're out of business. Uh, you can take on debt. Right. You can do a lot of things. But without cash coming in to pay the bills, you're, you're, you're screwed. Okay? So, obviously, getting bigger, getting better cash flow uh, allowed me to, to, to buy better software and better equipment, pay myself a little better, uh, this kind of thing. And also, you have to learn it. You have to, to – so, new, learning new software is always frustrating. But if it's better and it's faster, then you need to learn to do it. Uh, my staff won't let me do payrolls anymore. Uh, they do them the way I would do them because we have checklists and procedures and so on. But after this last time we changed software a few years ago, I I never learned that particular operating software, so they, they don't let me in there to do payrolls, <laughs> which is probably a good thing. But uh, I still deal with the IRS because that's, that's something I'm an expert at. Uh, they're not, and they don't have the credentials for it. I have both. So... Uh, my job has shifted internally. When we first started with payroll, I did them all. You know, I typed them in and printed them out and packaged them up and shipped them off. I haven't done that in years. But when the IRS sends a letter because the IRS made a mistake, that comes to me. So, uh, you know, fun and games. Now, I'm going to kind of nitpick here. What was the time you kind of hit that break-even point? You know, that time where that curve actually just hit upwards specifically? I would say that I was comfortable with 
the size of our business uh, and the growth it was on, it took almost 20 years for us to get to the point that I said, yeah, we're going to make it. <laughs> Obviously, we've been, been been growing and paying our wage and, you know, put food on the table and, and clothes on my back and, and, and roofs. Uh, and, you know, uh, I had a son in, in uh, service in Germany who married a German girl and settled there. So she'd go over and see the grandkids. Uh, but it was about 20 years uh, in business before I really said, yeah, we're, we're, we're there. And then I lost Ruth a few years later, which was too bad because, you know, she was really getting to the point where we could, you know, enjoy life and do some things. But it, it, it took 20 years. That's, that's why I say work-life balance for an entrepreneur doesn't exist. <laughs> and, you know, what are some future plans you have for the business now? What, what is kind of the next stage well, we're continuing to grow, obviously. Well, not obviously. We're continuing to grow. We're adding new clients all the time. Uh, I'd like to continue to accelerate that. We're adding new products. We're making our product line uh, wider and deeper. Uh, we're expanding our HR systems uh, so we can handle more, more alternative situations. Uh, timekeeping, we've added uh, multiple clocks, and including biometric clocks and so on to the mix. Uh, we've added a, a just from a new partner that came on recently that has a uh, um, uh, physical training uh, aspect for employees. So we've added that to the mix. So we're adding more things to the mix to give our clients, uh, you know, more one-stop shop for payroll and payroll-related things, employee-related things, uh, 401Ks, um, this kind of thing. We're, we're, we're expanding all those offerings and want to continue to do so. Uh, we're, we're partnering with some, some new healthcare benefit providers uh, to better take care of the, the clients. And, you know, different clients need different things, and not every vendor can provide them all. So we have to have various vendors that can provide things for our clients. So we're, we're trying to... to grow that to be able to give our clients, uh, you know, as I said, a one-stop shop. So, you know, th this was a good talk. And, you know, what are some final things you have to say to, you know, anybody interested in, you know, what you do or going down your path? There's two things that I, two, two sayings I love, and I repeat them constantly. One, there's never a traffic jam on the extra mile. You go that extra mile for your clients, your competitors won't. That puts you out in front, head and shoulders above your competition because most of them won't do it. The second one is a, is, a, is a saying from Bill Gates. And he said, people will overestimate what they can accomplish in a year and underestimate what they can accomplish in a decade. So stick with it. It may not happen this month, this year, or next year, but you stick with it and you go for it. You'll be amazed what you can do in 10, 20 years. Good words. All right, then. Thank you, sir. Jimbo, been my pleasure. Thank you for being on the show. My pleasure, sir. All right.